When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey guys, welcome to the Unit 2 review. Uh, this test is about AKS 25, which is the Constitution. Uh, everything you've done um, for this unit is um, has been based around the Constitution, like what led up to it, and then some of the stuff that's in it, the, the clauses and, and things like that. So, uh, And then the actual Constitution itself. Uh, so it's, it's been a mix of kind of U.S. history stuff plus um, the, just the, the document itself. So we'll run through the uh, review, uh, the test tomorrow. I think it's 30 questions, maybe. Uh, it's a little bit shorter than the first test we took, uh, just because, um, not that there's less material, but just uh, I didn't want to, there were so many questions we could ask, I tried to, to really shorten it up. All right, so anyways, let's get rolling here. Uh, so on the test, you're going to have to know some of these specific amendments. Um, uh, like a question might say, hey, the Sixth Amendment gives you this, or the Fourth Amendment does this. So I'm going to run through all 10 very quickly. Uh, if you have any questions about the, the amendment specifically, uh, then please, you know, uh, find a way to ask me through Remind or, or however it is. All right, so the First Amendment has five freedoms. You've got the freedom of speech, religion, press, assembly, and petition. So they're listed there. Just remember that all of those are in that First Amendment. Speech protects you uh, from the government to stop you. Uh, the government won't stop you from saying something. However, remember there are repercussions. You can't say whatever you want to. Uh, there's examples all over the, the country of people saying stuff, all right, uh, they shouldn't be saying or, or writing stuff that they shouldn't be saying, and then getting in trouble. Uh, now, the government's not getting in trouble, but society is or their employer. Uh, there was an NFL coach in the middle of the season, uh, the Raiders, uh, John Gruden. Some emails came out about some stuff that he had said. The government didn't do anything to him. The government, you know, they they adhere to the freedom of speech and the Bill of Rights, but his employer eventually said, hey, you got to go for what you said, and so he resigned. Uh, freedom of religion, <clears throat> there's two clauses you need to, to, to know. Uh, you've got free exercise and establishment, okay? So free exercise and establishment. I think there might be a question on the establishment clause in there. I, have to, I, I looked at the test earlier this morning, uh, but now I'm drawing a blank on which one's in there. Uh, I think one of them is. Uh, but the establishment clause is pretty simple. It just says the government will not create a religion. All right. So there'll never be a government sponsored religion. So there's not going to be a first church of the United States that we're forced to go to. And then the free exercise clause, uh, this is just it allows you to worship how you want to. So if you want to be Protestant, uh, Catholic, uh, Jewish, uh, Muslim, you know, Hindu, Buddhist, whatever you want to be, you can worship how you want to because you have the free exercise. Uh, the freedom of press is pretty simple. Just the, the news people can write what they want to and the government will not censor them. You're allowed to assemble as long as it's peaceful and then petition. Uh, we don't talk about this one very much, but you can petition the government for problems. OK. All right. The Second Amendment, the right to bear arms. Pretty simple. You have the right to own a weapon. Uh, there are a few restrictions on our guns um, and I think at some point that'll change, but I don't know. It's um, it's always up for debate. No coordinate of troops. You can't be forced to house troops. So there'll never be a military person come to your house and say, hey, I got to stay here uh, and you need to let me stay here. Uh, no, you don't. 
Number four, no unlawful search and seizures. So the police uh, and those types cannot come to you and search you without one of three things, a warrant, probable cause, or your permission. All right, so uh, you are protected. So if you're walking down the street and a police officer approaches you and wants to search you, you don't have to let them. You can say no. All right, that's your, your call. Now, if they have probable cause, if they see you running from a house trailing blood and you have a bloody knife, that's probable cause to search you. Okay, uh, but just stopping you in the park or, or pulling you over uh, and want to search you, that's not probable cause. Uh, the exclusionary rule keeps the police from using illegally obtained evidence against you. So if they did stop you and search you without your permission, without probable cause, without a warrant, and let's say they found drugs on you, unless they could prove that they had a legit probable cause reason to search you, that would probably be kicked out. Okay, so the exclusionary rule protects you from that kind of stuff happening. Number five deals with the rights of the accused. Uh, the main one is B on your uh, paper, and that's what I'm going to concentrate on. Uh, you cannot be forced to testify against yourself. Uh, that goes two ways. First off, if the cops ever uh, arrest you, okay, uh, you don't have to answer their questions. You can just say, hey, I'm not going to talk. Uh, and that goes for when you're at trial as well. If they want you to testify, you don't have to testify against yourself. Alrighty. Now, don't get up and on the stand and say, I plead the fifth to every single question. That's going to make you look guilty. Just you would exercise your right to not testify. So if you hear nothing else from this podcast, hopefully uh, you'll remember this. If you're ever arrested, right, first off, don't get arrested. But if you ever are, just don't talk to the police. The only thing you should ever say to them is, I want a lawyer. Okay. Uh, the no double jeopardy thing, you can't be tried for the same crime twice. So if you get found not guilty, the government cannot keep on trying you till they get a, a result that they want. And then eminent domain, uh, I'm not going to spend much time on it, uh, but the government can take your property. They have to pay you for it, uh, but they can basically you know, confiscate your part property and pay you fair market value for it. Uh, they can't just say, hey, I like that house. Let me take it. Uh, they have to have a reason. It has to be a you know, real reason, and they have to pay you for it. All right, the Sixth Amendment deals with your right to a, a fair and speedy trial. So all those things that happen there, you're guaranteed a lawyer. That's why I said in 5B, ask for a lawyer because they're going to give you one. Uh, I would have no idea who to call if I got arrested. Uh, I would just say, give me a lawyer and then sort it out from there. So that should be the only thing you ask for. You get a public trial, you get guaranteed a jury. I just got called for jury duty. Uh, I have to, on March 7th, I have to go to the, the Lawrenceville courthouse. So I'm really pumped up about that if you can't tell. Uh, and then you have the right to confront your witnesses. That doesn't mean you get to yell at them and scream at them. But if someone is a witness against you, you get to question them as well. They can't just, you know, for the prosecution, give their side of the story, and then your defense lawyer never get to say anything. Uh, number seven is all the stuff in six, but on the civil side, there's criminal where the government is punishing you. The civil side is where it's you versus somebody else. Uh, the eighth amendment is no cruel and unusual punishments. I'm pretty sure that's one, that one's on the test for sure. I think I remember seeing that. So just remember the eighth amendment deals with no cruel and unusual punishments. Usually our mind goes right to the death penalty for that one. Uh, but you know, it could also be the fact that, Hey, the, the punishment needs to fit the crime. If I go this afternoon and I steal a, a big cue from quick trip, because I love those things. Um, and the, the quick trip person, you know, that kid that's working behind the, the door dashes out and tackles me and, uh, or gets, I get arrested. They're not going to put me in jail for 50 years. 
Okay. They're probably just going to say, hey, pay for this thing and, and go back to business. Nine and 10 deal with the rights of citizens and rights of states. And they both say the same thing. As long as the Constitution doesn't specifically deny something of one of those two groups, citizens or states, then they're allowed to do it. Okay. For example, uh, the only person that or the only group that can declare war is Congress. Okay, so it specifically says in the Constitution, Congress is the only one. So that means Georgia can't decide, hey, we want some island front property. Let's go down and attack the Bahamas and take them. Georgia can't do that because it's specifically denied. However, um, we do get to make other decisions uh, because it's not the Constitution. So like uh, our state flag, there's no guidelines for a state flag. So we can do whatever we want with our state flag. Uh, and up to a couple years ago, well, I say a couple years, probably early 90s, there was some Confederate flag stuff on there, okay, because there was no guidelines. Mississippi literally just got rid of their Confederate stuff on their state flag like two, three years ago. So as long as it's not specifically denied, the states are allowed to do it. Same thing with citizens. All right, moving on to the principles and clauses of the Constitution. Now, you did a discussion or should have done a discussion on this. Hopefully, you have done it and looked at all these things. Uh, so you were responsible for you know, finding four of these things on your discussion and then looking at other people's stuff. So hopefully all that stuff has tied together for you. Uh, all right. So limited government uh, is pretty simple. We want a small government, or at least it's something that we wanted when we first started this thing. We wanted to have not necessarily the huge government that we have today. The framers of the Constitution will be pretty surprised at how large our government is. It is just, it is exploded in size. Of course, we have 335 million people in this country. What, two uh, versus the 12 million they had back in the day. So, but limited government is we want to have smaller government that's less intrusive in our lives. Rule of law uh, is pretty simple. Two, two things you need to know. Uh, first off, the laws are going to be applied fairly to everybody. Okay. And then also no one is above the law. All right. And that's typically going to be towards our, uh, our politicians and people like that. They make the law, they still suffer the consequences of the law. All righty. So rule of law, everybody should be equal amongst the law. And, and, you know, y'all are old enough to realize that's not the case always in this country. Okay. We still are struggling with that. I think we are getting better from where we have been. Uh, but it's still something we're working towards. Hopefully in my lifetime, uh, we'll get there. But uh, anyways, rule of law. Federalism, pretty simple, is the sharing of powers between multiple levels of government. So for us, we have the federal government. Uh, so those people up in Washington, D.C. that make rules and laws that we have to follow. Then you've got the state government here in Georgia. That's down in Atlanta. You've got the state legislatures, the governor. They make rules and laws that we are expected to follow. We could go further down to the local levels, but we're just going to stay with the, the federal and the state. But just it's all the people, all the groups that we have to listen to. All right. Uh, separation of powers. This was the Montesquieu thing. And don't get it mixed up with checks and balances. People always get it mixed up because they want to say it's the same thing. Uh, so Montesquieu was an, a, a, a enlightened thinker. Uh, we did him in unit one. OK. And he came up in a time when there was kings that would create a law, in, enforce the law and then judge the law basically all in the same day almost, okay? And he said, that's not right. That's not fair. One person should not have all those powers. And so because he wrote that uh, and he wrote about how the power should be broken up, the framers took that and say, hey, we should have branches of the government. And so that's why we have our three branches. You have the legislative branch, which writes the laws. You have the executive, which enforces. And then you have the judicial, which judges. So no one branch has all the power in our government because of that. 
Then checks and balances happen within that, and it's just the kind of the watchdog function that each branch has over the other. So in order to make sure that the legislative branch doesn't get too much power, the executive branch can do things to them. Okay, they can veto laws. The judicial branch gets to declare laws unconstitutional. To make sure that the executive branch doesn't get too power, the congressional uh, group can impeach the president. So, so on and so forth. It's just the watchdog function to make sure that the one branch doesn't become too powerful. All right, popular sovereignty. Uh, this is the belief uh, that, or it's not a belief, it's something that happens. Uh, we all are... Uh, Sorry, someone was peeking in my window and it distracted me for a second. Uh, then they ran away, so it kind of freaked me out a little bit. Uh, anyways, popular sovereignty is the, the idea that all ideas, policies, rules, laws for a government should flow through the people. Basically, the consent of the governed. So, you know, here we are. Uh, there should be laws that are made that, you know, are necessary for us to function uh, as citizens of this country. Uh, you may have heard popular sovereignty in U.S. history, if you can think back to probably before Christmas, so this would have been the fall of 2020, I think, you probably would have done the Civil War stuff and, and leading up to a popular, popular sovereignty in Kansas and Nebraska, where they let the people vote to decide whether they were going to be a free state or a slave state. Um, so, But it's a concept that we believe in that the people should have a say-so in rules and laws. Judicial review allows the courts to uh, basically say that laws are unconstitutional happens all the time where they just uh, review and they decide that uh, a policy is unconstitutional. Uh, it's happened to Georgia here recently about three, four years ago, but prior to the pandemic, Georgia had created a pretty strict uh, abortion law. Like you couldn't get an abortion after you could hear the heartbeat and most heartbeats can't be heard until like six weeks in or something like that. And so most people didn't know they were pregnant yet, and then they couldn't have an abortion. That got ruled unconstitutional. So uh, judicial review is just the court's ability to rule things as unconstitutional. All right, some of the clauses that are in the Constitution, uh, the necessary and proper clause, you might also see it as the elastic clause. Uh, this is written into the Constitution, and it just states that as long as Congress is acting within their powers that are listed, they're allowed to kind of paint outside the lines a little bit. They're allowed to stretch. That's why it's called the elastic clause. Sometimes they're allowed to stretch their powers. All right. So one of my favorite examples is from U.S. history again. Uh, and this was the Bank of the United States. Uh, and once again, this was in the fall of 2020. So a long time ago for y'all. But uh, the Congress decided, hey, we're going to make a, a national bank. A lot of people said it's not, you can't do that. It doesn't say in the Constitution. You've done a scavenger hunt for the Constitution. You will never see the words bank in the Constitution. You could look for now until, you know, you're the end of the senior year for you. Um, there's no mention of the word bank in there. However, Congress said we are allowed to control commerce. It says in here that we can print money, we can tax, we control interstate trade and all that kind of stuff. So it says that, thus we can create a bank. So necessary and proper clause was implied there. Okay, so necessary and proper clause allows Congress to stretch their powers. It is a Congress thing only. The Commerce Clause is pretty simple. Uh, remember, the Articles of Confederation was very weak, and the government could not control trade and interstate commerce and things like that. So the Commerce Clause just simply says, hey, the only people that controls interstate commerce is the federal government. Okay, 
So once something crosses state lines, so once a good goes from Atlanta to Knoxville, Tennessee, that's a federal issue. Within the state, it's our issue, but once it crosses state lines, it is a federal issue. The Supremacy Clause. The Supremacy Clause uh, is Article 6 of the Constitution, and it basically says, hey, this is it. The Constitution is number one. This is the law of the land. Uh, this is what everybody's going to listen to. It doesn't matter what your little state constitution says. It doesn't matter what your little state law says. The number one thing is our document, the constitution. And then it says the, the federal laws are the are second on the list. Okay. And so we're kind of in a weird situation here uh, today because some states have decided to uh, make a illegal substance legal. You know, Colorado and what um, Washington and some other places have made marijuana legal. However, if you were to go out there and buy some marijuana from Colorado and then travel back to Georgia and you get caught with it here in Georgia, guess what's going to happen to you? You're going to be arrested because it's still breaking a federal law. And in theory, the federal law is above those state laws. So the federal government can shut that down at any time they want to because of the supremacy clause. They haven't yet. We're not going to worry about the reasons. Uh, I think they'll eventually legalize it completely across the board for everybody, but we're still a ways away from that. All right, last two deal with the state-to-state -state stuff, uh, the privileges and immunities and full faith and credit. Uh, privileges, and, is an, privileges and immunities is pretty simple. Uh, it just means that you maintain your rights as a citizen going from state to state. Okay, so if this spring break, the 1st of April, you decide to go down to Florida uh, for your spring break, spring break vacation, there's no special laws or rules for Georgia citizens. You just have all the rights and rules that Florida citizens have, okay? Uh, so you go from one state to the next, you maintain your rights as a citizen. You don't lose or gain any special rights or anything like that because you go from state to state. Uh, finally, there are the full faith and credit. This just means that the states are gonna honor each other's decisions, contracts, licenses, and things like that. Okay, and I'm a great example of, of the full faith and credit. So I got married way too young. Don't get married. Okay, uh, especially not young. But even if you don't get married, it's not a bad thing. Anyways, um, I got married way too young down in Florida. Me and her moved up to Georgia. Did I have to get remarried up here in Georgia? Thank God, no. Okay, uh, they just recognized, hey, they got married in Florida. It's good here in Georgia. Then I got divorced from her in Georgia. I didn't have to travel down to, to Florida to get divorced from her. Just I got divorced here in Georgia and Florida recognized that. OK, so full faith and credit. The states are going to honor the things that happen uh, in well, from one state to the next. Just a quick sidebar. This is why same sex marriage was a problem, because some states, I think like Hawaii was the first one, allowed same sex couples to get married. But then they would come back to their home state, let's say Georgia, because Georgia wasn't doing this. Georgia wouldn't recognize the marriage from Hawaii. So that's why it's a problem, because full faith and credit says they're supposed to. All right, getting into the U.S. history stuff there, the compromises of the Constitutional Convention. You've got the great, the three-fifths, and the compromise. I mean, uh, excuse me, the commerce. The great compromise, uh, It's you might sometimes see it as the Connecticut, but I call it the great because that's what I grew up with. Uh, the great compromise is going to combine the Virginia plan and the New Jersey plan and give us a two house legislature. All right. Uh, both of those plans on their own call for a one house. So Virginia plan said, hey, one house legislature and the population of the state will determine how many representatives you have. So the big states are very excited because they're going to have all the power. Okay. 
Then the little state said, well, that's not fair. Here's our plan, the New Jersey plan. Let's have one house, but let's make it all equal. Everybody will be the same. And so we snap our fingers and the great compromise happens and they combine it. And so now we have a House of Representatives based on population and we have a Senate based on equality. The three-fifths compromise dealt with slavery and the problem there. So once they decided, hey, population is going to play a role in your representation and also your taxes, uh, the South decided, hey, we have a population that we want to include, and that was their slave population. They had not included slaves up to this point. And the North was like, well, no, you can't do that. You've never included them in anything. Why can you include them now as population? All right. And so they agreed on the three-fifths compromise, which is going to allow three-fifths of the slave population to count for uh, representation and tax purposes. And then finally, the commerce compromise also deals with slavery and importation uh, and things like that. Basically, the, the, the North wanted to tax imports. Okay, so things coming into the country and the South didn't really want to do that because of the slave trade and also because they sent a lot of their goods out and they didn't want the, the federal government to be able to control all those things. So they came up with the Commerce Compromise, which is going to basically keep the federal government out of that business for 20 years. I think 1808 was the year they could finally begin to uh, to uh, regulate uh, the slave trade and things like that. All right. Uh, last couple of things on the back there. Uh, the powers are pretty simple, so I'm going to go pretty quick through those. Uh, express powers are just specifically in the Constitution. They are written. You can go find them. Okay. It says specifically that the only people that can coin money, make money, print money is Congress. That's an expressed power. So if it's written in the Constitution, that's expressed. Uh, delegated are those <laughs> uh, given to states and citizens. Implied powers uh, goes back to that necessary and proper clause. So it doesn't say it, but we can do it because it reads like this. Think back to loose constructionism where people can read the Constitution and interpret it. That's what implied powers are. Concurrent powers are powers shared by the state and federal government. So they both get to steal money from, I mean, tax us as citizens. Uh, sorry, I don't like taxes. And I think it's... Uh, I don't like it. Sorry. But anyways, they can both the federal government and state government can tax us. So if you work here in Georgia, you pay a federal income tax, plus you pay a state income tax. And then the reserved powers, those are the powers that are left specifically to the states. That comes with the 10th Amendment, um, where the states have certain things that they have control over. Our education system is one of them. It's a state system. It is not a federal system. The federal government stays out of the state education system. All right, the amendment process, and I think you got to know some, be some, uh, reset for a second here. For the amendment process, you got to know the specifics, okay? Uh, so be sure you know these numbers when I say these numbers. It's two-thirds and three-fourths, okay? So be sure you remember those fractions. Uh, all right, so it's a two-step process. First off, the national level has to propose an amendment, all right? So the national level, Congress has to propose an amendment, and it has to be two-thirds of both houses of Congress. So the House and the Senate meet and they talk about the amendment that's being proposed and then they vote on it. So let's say that I wanted to create an amendment that would uh, force America to pick one time. So no more, you know, uh, daylight savings time and all any of that kind of stuff. We're just going to pick one time and we're going to stick with it instead of all this changing our time crap that we do. Uh, so we would talk about it and then we would vote on it. If two-thirds of us said yes as a Congress, then it would go to the next step, which is ratification. Okay, so Congress proposes, and they need two-thirds, and then the states 
ratified and you need three fourths of the states. All right. So two thirds of Congress to propose it, three fourths or 38 of the states to say yes and to ratify and to sign off on it. Okay. Uh, the Articles of Confederation, you need to just understand it's a weak government. Uh, the states had all the power. The national government had very little ability to do anything. Okay. Just be aware of some of the weaknesses. Uh, and I'm going to rattle them off pretty quickly. So, you know, if you need to look it up, it's in the stuff that you did uh, and looked at the notes and the videos and things like that on, on E-Class. Uh, but under the articles, uh, the, the national government cannot tax. So they cannot tax any, anything. The states do not have to pay taxes if they didn't want to. There is no military. So no military um, that the, the national government had. I remember Shays Rebellion, all right, uh, where they called for help from other states and other states like new number, who's this? And they, they never showed up, okay, for the, 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 the state that needed help, which was Massachusetts. Uh, the national government cannot control commerce. So states were taxing each other. Uh, each state could print up their own money, which is a problem. Each state can make up um, uh, agreements with other countries. And it's just, it was a mess economically, okay? Um, the National Congress, uh, or excuse me, to make any changes to the, the, the articles, you needed 13 out of 13 of the states, and you never could do that because they were so different, all right? So those are some of the main ones. There was no executive branch either, which is just kind of a big overarching thing. There was no judicial branch. That's a problem because something happens in one state, uh, and it's ruled this way, and then another state rules another way. There was no national unity there. Okay. All right. Separation of powers is on there for a second reason. Uh, that's because there's a second question about the separation of powers. We already went over that under the clauses, though. So there might be two questions about separation of powers. Just be aware of that. Uh, last couple things there, Federalists versus Anti-Federalists. The Federalists, they were the ones that wanted the Constitution. They were for the big, strong government, central government. Okay. The Anti-Federalists were against the strong central government. They wanted to keep the states in charge, keep the states with their powers. All right, so Federalists are for the Constitution. Anti-Federalists are against it. Federalist, big government. Anti-Federalist, little government and state control. The Federalist papers were written by the Federalists, if you can imagine that, and they were 85 essays or so supporting the Constitution. The Brutus papers were the anti-federalist papers and they were against the constitution all right so this was the give and take the back and forth between the federalists and anti-federalists the writing that they did the federalist papers versus brutes finally the electoral college this is how uh we pick our president nowadays uh and just remember a lot of people get hung up on the fact well hey if i go vote i'm not voting for the president i'm voting for the electoral college but that electoral college person still votes for your president your president still has to win your state so your vote is necessary and so please don't ever think that my vote doesn't matter because your vote does because your person has to win their state in order to get those electoral votes but it is the system we have it's kind of a fail safe because the framers didn't really trust people to elect the best people so back in the day this was devised so that, hey, if they elect, if the people elect someone that's not good, hey, they elected that Chris Daniels guy. He's the worst candidate in the history of candidates. Uh, the Electoral College could circumvent that and say, well, you know what? Chris Daniels is not a good candidate. We're going to elect this person who's much better. Nowadays, we have rules and laws in place that are going to stop that. But um, 
anyways, it's 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 whatever. All right, guys, that's the review. If you have questions, feel free to text me on the remind line, whatever that is, however that works. I don't know. I don't understand all that crap. Uh, you can email me if you need to. Uh, social media, the Twitter uh, at chhs gov underscore civics. Feel free to you know write a response there, and I'll answer you as best I can. Guys, the test is tomorrow on Friday, the fourth, and then we'll do test corrections on Monday, the seventh. I hope you all have a great day and I'll see you uh, in class later.